Amen. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you sharing with us. And as Tim mentioned, this was uh, always a, a wonderful time for us here at Calvary uh, to hear the stories of life transformation. Everyone's story is unique, and yet that thing that unites it is that each and every one of them are about their interaction and their, and their surrender to Jesus. And so that's what's, a, the, again, the incredible part of the unity in Christ Jesus, but the diversity of how people come to know Jesus and what their backgrounds are and, and why they're taking that step of baptism. And so we are excited as a family on mission to be, to be a group of people that, yes, experience that wonderful family dy- dynamic, but not only that, but we're a family that's on mission, sharing the love of Jesus so that there are times where people do take that step of baptism to declare their faith and their, and their allegiance to Christ. And so it has been uh, a, um, not at every baptism service, but maybe every second or third baptism service, uh, we not just because the word is in our name, but because baptism is an important thing, and it's, we like to take some time and teach on that. And so we're going we're gonna to just pe- press pause on our, on our we had jumped back into Romans ch- uh, at chapter 12 a couple of weeks ago. We're going to press pause on that, and I want to talk to you a little bit about why do we uh, take uh, a Sunday service and hear the stories and baptize people? What's the, what's the purpose of that? And there might be some of you sitting here today who have not yet taken that step of baptism, and it might be something that you have been thinking about, praying about, and we certainly always invite you to come and talk to us if you have any questions about that. Baptism is something that didn't begin only with the church. In fact, the nation of Israel used this, used baptism, water baptism, when they were, would, as a, as a symbolic kind of initiation rite for those people who had embraced Judaism. So people who didn't grow up as ethnic uh, Jews, as literal descendants of Abraham, they would baptize those individuals uh, into the faith, so to speak, uh, when they had that desire. And so it began, uh, that, that's, we have, and it's a very ancient tradition uh, we're introduced to, to a man in, in Matthew chapter 3 na- known as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And there John is baptizing people in the, in the Jordan River. It's a baptism of repentance. They were confessing their sins and they were being baptized by John. And in fact, at one point, again in Matthew chapter 3, we learn that Jesus himself comes to John and he says to John that he needs to be baptized by him. And John says, wait a second. Because John understood who Jesus was, he said, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. But Jesus said, listen, it is right, it is proper to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus didn't need to be baptized. There wasn't any cleansing of sin. And so sometimes we think of that's the only reason that, 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 that anyone would have done that, that to kind of give that that picture of, of, of cleansing of sin. But Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness, even though it wouldn't have been something that necessarily he was required to do, he said, yes, he wanted to be baptized. John baptized him in Matthew chapter three. And then we have that, of course, dramatic encounter where we hear the voice of the father speaking from heaven. We see uh, a dove uh, coming, the Holy Spirit in the form of dove, uh, of a dove lighting on Jesus. And when the, so we have like the Trinity in full effect, the voice of the father, the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself there. And the father says, this is my son whom I love in him. I am well pleased. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 28, after he had been killed, after he had been raised to new life, right before he was to ascend back to his father, he said to his first followers that they were to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, followers of his, adherents to his, and that they were to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
And so Jesus gave those marching orders to his first followers. We believe those same marching orders are in effect for us today. And so we continue to live in that reality of, what, of that imperative that Jesus had given to them of making disciples. And one of those aspects was this, uh, this, right, this, this right of baptism that would be uh, uh, something for those followers to proclaim to the world that they were followers of his. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, that, that baptism and again, two, I have two things, kind of two purposes in mind. It is, uh, maybe three, it's to remind us of why we do baptism. It's to encourage those of you who perhaps haven't taken that step of faith and obedience to consider it. And third, to remind us that, this, that Jesus had, has called us to be that missional family that we are to go out, to reach out, to make disciples of all nations and baptizing those new believers is one of those ways in which we can continue to live out that mission for him. So let me pray, and then we're going to jump off into uh, and give you a, a quick overview of this idea of baptism and what it's all about. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to share in, uh, in your word today and to be reminded about the purpose of baptism and the meaning of baptism and why we uh, do it here at this church and why thousands, millions of believers all around the world, Lord, do this very same thing. And so we pray that you would open our eyes. We pray that you would be our teacher today. And we pray that in all things, God, that it wouldn't just be about what we learn, but how we respond to this, uh, to this, um, this teaching that you'll give us today. We pray that all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So four real pretty simple things I want to share with you about baptism. The first thing is, baptism is a picture. It's a picture of death and life. It's a pic picture of burial and resurrection. And so when you see someone being baptized, this particular picture has somebody being baptized, you know, kind of like in reverse. And because of the size of our tank, it's not easy to baptize people kind of backward. Uh, but oftentimes in, in a baptism service, in a pool, in a lake, in a stream, or sometimes even in a baptismal tank, you will see people baptized by immersion in, uh, you know, and, and, and in a backward manner instead of in a forward manner the way we did it today. Why do we do immersion? Why is that picture? Well, it seems like that it is the regular practice in the New Testament, in the apostolic age, and beyond. All throughout the history of the church, it seems that this has been the pr predominantly regular practice for those people to be, have faith and then uh, be uh, baptized by immersion. It is also consistent with what baptism pictures. And the picture of baptism, again, is about death and life, about burial and resurrection. In fact, when you consider the word that we, and the, as you can see, the, the Greek word is baptizo. And so our word baptize, it's not like, as you've heard me say, a lot of times because we don't have a word that fits it, we would, maybe the, bre the best translation of it would be to dip. And so because we don't use that, we transliterate it, which means take one word, a word from one language and kind of adjust it a little bit into a different language. And that's what we've done with the word baptizo. We've made it baptize. It means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge. It's a term that's used of, of sunken vessels. And I have told you before that it, it, it's uh, the, some of the most powerful insight about this word and why we believe that the early church was primarily using immersion to baptize was what came from some ancient guy's pickle recipe. And the pickle recipe was that there would be, there would, there would be the word bapto, which would be dip, 
And then there would be baptizo, which would be to immerse. And the bapto was kind of pr- to prepare it for the second thing, which was the baptizo. And that's in this, uh, this ancient philosoph- Greek philosopher's pickle recipe that was discovered in, you know, archaeologically. We found that, that this, this word baptizo was, was what me- the, he was using in the recipe where the, the cucumber would actually be transformed by the bab by the baptizo where it was being prepared to be transformed in the way it was dipped in the word bapto. So this idea of, of it being a picture and the reason we do it by immersion is because we, give, we believe it gives the most accurate representation <clears throat> of the excuse me, of the picture that's being communicated by baptism. As one person said in their testimony, it was the outward display of this inward change that had happened for them as they had had faith in Christ. And so this picture of being dipped, of being dunked, of being immersed is what this, this is all about. And what, what they're being immersed into, it brings us to the second aspect. And that second aspect is it's clear, and you heard it in the testimonies over and over. I am identifying with Christ. They are being immersed into Christ. It's a symbolic representation of their immer- the immersion of their life into Christ, that they are identifying solely with him. This is what the scripture says about that in Romans chapter 6. It says, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Death, excuse me. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We are identifying with that. We have been baptized into Christ Jesus. It's not about the the fact that there's anything unique or special about the water that's in that tank. There's not anything unique or special about the person, the the act of of the dunking. It is that if, in fact, all those ceremonial things, and and that goes for anything in the way when we're praying or we're studying scripture or we're serving. If If that inward heart desire to, to receive the grace that God offers and, and to express our faith in the truth of the gospel that Jesus did experience death on the cross for my sin and that I might have new life in him. If that doesn't precede that, then there's nothing unique or special or meaningful about going into water. But the water, it, it, we're using baptism to identify with the person of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, it's unity with Jesus in his death and resurrection. That's what baptism is saying. So baptism is a picture. It's a, it's a picture of death and resurrection. It's identification with a particular death and resurrection. That is the death and resurrection of the person of Jesus. Third, baptism is a declaration. And again, we heard this throughout the testimonies. It's a declaration, and it's a, it's a multifaceted declaration. First, It's about declaring what Jesus has done and what he is doing for us and in us. You picked up on that theme again over and over in the videos that we heard. Look at 1 Peter 3.18 to show how what Jesus has done for us in his death. It says this, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. Again, that's why this this idea of baptism is such a symbolic and powerful reminder. It's this death life, 
burial, resurrection. Dead, now I'm alive. Imagery over and over and over. It's such a prominent theme throughout multiple writers of the New Testament. And that's what's being proclaimed. That's what's being declared when a person is baptized. Jesus has done this for me. I didn't do it. And again, picked it up in the video. I didn't do it on my own. I didn't change myself. But it was what God had done for me and in me first. And then I'm taking this step of baptism to declare that he has done just that. He has given us, an, a second thing that we're declaring in baptism is we're, de- we're declaring that he has given us a new identity. I don't make myself new. But God, through the power of the, of the, regener- the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, has made me a new person. Paul says it to this way to the Corinthian church. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Again, death, life, burial, resurrection. Old, new, right? Over and over, we're declaring that in baptism. We're declaring that I am a new person. Did I make myself new? Do I have the capacity? Do I have the power? To, do I have the wherewithal or the orientation to do that? No, but God through his power, through his love does just that. So we declare what God has done in us. We declare that we have a new identity. It is also used as a public declaration of our personal faith. It's a way to say to our community, to our friends, to our family, to our church family, to our, to our community at large, that we are followers of Jesus. The early church used baptism to do just that. Because of the nature of what it meant to be a, a Christian in the ancient world, especially after persecution hit, when, when, the, when the early church was facing intense levels of persecution, the leaders had decided that they would use baptism as the way in which someone would publicly declare their faith. Because at the moment that they would publicly declare their faith, that meant that there was a lot of things at risk for them. Their, their employment might be at risk, their family relationships might be at risk, and their life itself might be at risk when they publicly declared. So there was an intense and very long process, some scholars suggest up to two years of preparation before that person would make a public declaration and be baptized by the church leaders in a very public setting because they were declaring to the world that they were followers of Jesus. The church began in this manner. Now, there wasn't that, that two-year waiting period and all of that in this particular verse I want to show with you, share with you now, but at the very first message that was given by the church, by a man named Peter, the very first talk about Jesus that was ever given other than Jesus himself, Peter shares how people should, uh, you know, un- how people should understand what is going on in the, in, the, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so he is there in Jerusalem and he's sharing the message. And at the end of his message, the people say, well, what should we do? And Peter gives them very clear direction. In Acts chapter 2, 38, he says, repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How did he call for them to respond? To publicly declare that they were receiving Jesus as Savior, that they were repenting of their sins, and they were taking this step of baptism to symbolize and declare that very thing. We see another instance also in the book of Acts. After persecution had hit the church in Acts chapter 8, the church had been scattered. The Bible says that all except the apostles, all except the leaders basically, were scattered all throughout the area because of a persecution that had hit them. 
Philip, one of those who had been scattered, perhaps it was the same Philip who was one of the first deacons in the, in the church that were named in Acts chapter 6. Philip is, is a, a one who was actively sharing his faith. He ha- comes across a man who is an Ethiopian official, somebody who was in, in charge of the treasury of a woman named Candace, who happened to be the queen of the Ethiopians at that time. So when he was in charge of her treasury, he had spent some time worshiping, didn't quite understand all that was going on. Philip led him basically to faith in Christ, and at some point along the way as they were traveling together, the Ethiopian official says, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? There was this idea, again, that, that I need to declare this. I need to, I need to allow this thing to, to be known that I have received, that my eyes have been opened, and that I have seen the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus. So again, this declaration, multifaceted, we're declaring what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. We're declaring what he's done in us through our faith in that. We're declaring that our identity is new. We are a new creation, death life. We're publicly declaring to the rest of the world that we are followers of Jesus. So declaration, identification, a picture. The last thing I would suggest to you is baptism is a wonderful reminder for us. It's a wonderful reminder for us. It's a reminder, again, I, I, I would say in again, a couple of different manners. First, it's a reminder of the call to obedience, Because we have been made new people, because we have a new identity, the old is gone, the new has come. We have a new call on our life. Paul addresses this back in Romans 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Dead to sin alive unto Jesus. It's a reminder of that call to to obedience. In fact, later in that same chapter, uh, Paul says these words, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That very truth. It's a reminder to us that, again, when we think of our baptism, when we can picture ourselves going into the water, dead to sin, we have died to sin, We have been raised to new life in Christ Jesus. And so we walk in the newness of life. We don't walk in the deadness of our former self because we know that what? Through faith in Christ, through his incredible grace, through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. What did Paul tell those Corinthians? You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You have died and God has given you a new identity. And that new identity is one of obedience. It was that same individual, Paul, who wrote to the Romans, Romans, who said this about himself in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Baptism is a great reminder for all of us who are sitting here watching people be baptized, and for those of you who were baptized today, it's a wonderful reminder of the call that God has on your life for obedience. If we leave these baptismal waters, if those people walk out of those baptismal waters and they do with their life whatever they want to do with their life, then that's not if that, that, that effective, the, the effectiveness of the reminder of the, of the baptism is not, is not good. It hasn't made a difference. 
But again, and it's not that that, that, that again, there's nothing unique about the, the, those waters. There's no, nothing unique about those words, but it is about the intention of that person to surrender their life to Christ so that they understand that baptism is a wonderful reminder that God has a call on their life and that they have been crucified with him so that now the life they live is a different kind of life. The second thing I would say, second aspect to this, why baptism is a reminder, is again, remember what Jesus said. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. If you're a follower of Jesus today, if you were baptized today, if you've, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a, a few weeks, months, or many years, you are on mission for Jesus. And so when you leave here today, it's about coming to understand to whom has God sent me? What is my context? What's my mission field? To whom has God sent me? So that one day there might be someone who declares their faith in baptism because God has used me to share with them that Jesus is the way. So baptism is a great picture of death and resurrection. It's identification with a particular death and resurrection, that is the one of Jesus himself. It's a declaration of what God has done in us. It's a declaration of our new identity. It's also a a, a declaration to the world that we are his followers. And it's a reminder of the call to obedience and the call to mission. Baptism certainly is a wonderful gift from God to the church so that we can continue to use it to help people to take that step of faith, but also to serve in these these various aspects as an encouragement for the wider body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of new life. And we thank you, Lord, that you have also gifted us with this act. with this, this thing that people do. And we recognize, God, that in any act, in anything that we do on a regular basis, it can, it can be more about the ceremony of it and, and, and less about the reality of it. And so, God, we pray that that wouldn't be the case. And we pray that we would forever remember the, the power that exists when we rightly understand what this gift of baptism is all about. We thank you for your word which teaches us. We thank you for the the stories that we've heard of transformation today, God, from people. And we pray that we would would continue, Lord, to just help to, to be reminded of the call that you have on our life, to be people who walk after you and also people who share your love with all those that we have contact with on an everyday basis. We pray these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And it's in his name, Lord, that we ask that your blessing would be upon us. And it's in his name, Lord, that we ask that you would consume us and use us all for your honor and glory. Amen.